0: if I give out this information, this is like $100,000 information. First, you got to have water. You got to make sure you have land. You got to make sure you have money. You got to make sure you have entitlements and you got to make sure you have balls. You got to have a freaking a lot of courage because it is gnarly. It is so freaking hard to do. And that's the thing like about Stuart. He's a crazy cowboy, but he went for it. Think about all the happiness that's been created from. PSR. This is Tony Finn live at the X-Gave. What's going on, everybody? Caught my first tube this morning.
1: Sir. Welcome to Beyond the Ocean, the podcast exploring surf parks and the impact of technology on the future of surfing. We speak with technology leaders, investors, operators, and surfing legends to explore this exciting new movement. I'm your host, Chris Klusner. What's up, guys? Here's Chris from Beyond the Ocean, and I am so excited to bring you this high-energy conversation today with Mr. Tony Finn. Tony is one of the inventors of wakeboarding Co-founder of Liquid Force Wakeboards and Kiteboards, which is one of the most successful companies in that category ever. Tony spent 10 years in the 90s as an ESPN announcer for the X Games, Gravity Games, and Hot Summer Nights. Into the 2000s, Tony led the way into surf parks and pools. He's been a consultant to some of the leading wave technology companies, including Surflock, and is the exclusive North American distributor of Unit Surf Pools, which is an exciting new company allowing first-time park operators to implement a wave at a lower price point. Tony's also advised some of the leading facilities, such as BSR Cable Park in Waco, Texas, how to succeed, how to scale, and keep people excited. So I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with Tony. He's got a lot to share, some war stories, lessons learned over the years, and he's just a blast to talk to. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Mr. Tony Finn. Tony, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Thank you, man. I'm stoked to be on a podcast called Beyond the Ocean. I really appreciate it.
1: Maybe you can introduce yourself. I'd love to hear how you frame that given your long career and all the things you've worked on. Love to have you describe yourself and then we'll start from the
0: beginning in terms of uh, what you've been up to. From a career that I started when I was like 20-something, I was going to college at San Diego State University And I was a really, really horrific student. You know, I very rarely went to class. I just wanted to surf and and party all the time. But I also water skied. And so I started, you know, surfing behind my boat because I lived in South Mission. So I don't know if anybody knows South Mission Beach, but it's like skinny strip of land on one side is surf and the other side is Mission Bay. I had these two influences. So we just started surfing behind our boat. And then I decided to quit school and started the world's first wakeboard company, which was called Skurfer.
1: What were you riding when you were first getting into that? You're right, you were skiing, you were playing, just dragging stuff behind the boat. And what was the Skurfer? How did that product come together?
0: At first, they're all hand shaped, you know, miniature surfboards that you can use behind the boat. And remember, the wakes were super small back then. We didn't have all the super rad like wake enhancers that we have now that makes the wakes huge so you can wake surf now without you know even holding onto the rope but then they were just super fun we had a great time doing it and then people started coming up to me and asking me hey where'd you get that hey did you make that so then i just started making boards for people and then i quit school and just we started this business called scurfer and it was epic it turned out fantastic it was a great great ride There was no wakeboard industry
1: at that point, right? So you guys were kind of very, very early. How'd you take it to market? What were some of the things that you was working at that time?
0: We were like rebelling against the water ski industry, you know? So we, our whole marketing vibe was more cool than water skiing, more fun than water skiing and all the water skiers, not all the water skiers, but quite a few of the water skiers hated us. Some of them were cool, but what turned out was all their kids wanted to wakeboard, and all the older dudes wanted to water ski in the beginning. And one of the best, the coolest ads we ever ran was my first ad in Water Ski magazine because there wasn't a wakeboarding magazine then. So in Water Ski magazine, I made an ad that says "Skier for more fun than water skiing," and that like pissed everyone off. But I always like those aggressive, like assertive marketing plays that are a little bit controversial, so that people will talk about it and stuff will happen, right? And so that was a big deal. And then I, they, I went to Florida for a photo shoot and they put me on the cover of Waterski Magazine, riding a scurfer. And I was really good friends with all the guys from Water Ski Magazine because they were closet wakeboarders too. We just started making it happen.
1: You did that with Scurfer for uh, looks like five years or so. And then uh, you started your second company. What was the story there with Wake Tech?
0: That was super fun too. So that was me and Jimmy Redman. I was uh, okay at shaping boards, but like my this dude I met Jimmy Redman was like way better at at shaping boards and designing wakeboards than I was. And so he had his own company called Redline Designs. But then me and him teamed up to form Wake Tech, and we also had this guy named Chris Durham that used to be the vice president of Kidder Waterskis. And we us three got together, and we started Wake Tech. Really amazing revolution that happened at that company is the flight 69, which was the first ever twin tip board. That board was insane. It sold them so well. And it was so fun. It really changed the whole sport because before that, all the boards were like pointy and this was a true twin tip. And so you can like go switch. You can, you know, do five forties easier and you can land tricks blind and all that kind of stuff.
1: I'm a kiter as well as a surfer. So I'm all, I know all about like twin tip, like two directions versus, more like a surfboard is one direction. So you have to ride it, kind of switch or or, uh, change your stance. What was going on in kiting at that time? Kiting was just kind of coming together as well because this all led into Liquid Force. And it sounds like, you know, you work with those guys.
0: Yeah, so Wake Tech didn't work out for various reasons. And then me and Jimmy started Liquid Force together. And we got some investors because we didn't have any money because we're just dumb surfers. And then we got some investors, and we cranked. And I do want to thank my first investor, Tony Glyden. He was awesome. He trusted us, and uh, we just started selling a whole bunch of boards. So me and Jimmy, we already knew what we were doing at that point, you know, because it was both of our third companies, and so we had made quite a few mistakes. We had a great time, and we did a lot of good things, but we did a lot of bad things, mostly, not bad things, but mistakes were made on the finance side. It's hard on financing to really understand it until you actually do it. You never realize how much money you actually need. You always need like three to four times as much as you think you're going to need. Because even if you're selling a lot of stuff and growing, it just consumes cash. And that's the problem that a lot of people don't realize. When we got to look Force, we were properly financed and we introduced the boards and they started selling like crazy. Because by that time too, me and Jimmy had relationships with Every single water sports retailer all around the country and internationally, too, because I was traveling internationally all the time promoting wakeboarding. So Liquid Force just freaking exploded.
1: It was my first kiteboard, Liquid Force, and it was sick. Thank you,
0: brother. Did you have a pickle fork or the pickle fork was the first ones we did? Do you remember that one? Those were so trippy. No, I don't. I'll check it out, though. I got to up my quiver. Lou Weinman and Elliot LeBeau, like, were like all into this. It was our first riders. They we were hardcore into these pickle forks, so that was the first ones that we made. And we had Jimmy Lewis hand shaped them for us.
1: I imagine the financing. You said it was challenge with scaling. So you went from hand shaping to mass production, and I'm sure that was a big deal. How did you approach that balancing, like? the difference between hand shaping and like your roots and surfing and like, you know what you want and you valued that. And that was a big part of what made you successful to like, holy hell, we got to make a couple million of these. How'd you approach that?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. It's tough to do. So with Skurfer, the boards were rotationally molded. So there was definitely some performance gaps between a hand shape board and Skurfer production models, but they were 33 percent of the price that was definitely something that we want to improve on and by the time we got to liquid force we were making the boards very very similar to how you make a snowboard we were you know compression molding them under heat and pressure we had everything dialed in so we could make them actually better than a hand shape board so basically jimmy would hand shape the protos we'd ride them get them dialed have if it was a pro model or even if it wasn't a pro model we'd have the the pro athlete ride them figure everything out and then we would make a mold the molds in those days were like 25 grand so you wanted to make sure you nailed it once we made it into the production mode with foam and fiberglass and carbon and really getting our production act together the performance was really really epic
1: That was the mid 90s when you started Liquid Force and you're working on that right up until 2016. So, you know, more than 20 years working on this and what a journey, you know. So what uh, led to your sort of moving out of the business and now you're like fully in the surf park space and I'm sure you have a lot going on outside of that. But like, what was that evolution for you personally and like from shaping the future and, and really the basis, I should say, of wakeboarding into
0: now surf parks? I love Liquid Force and I had an unbelievable life experiences there It's fantastic but also I did it for 20 years and I was with four different ownership groups because it's, it's all kinds of things happened we sold and merged and merged and sold and so that was all cool and the owners were cool too like it's for the most part my partners and financiers and were cool but after like 20 years I didn't own very much of it anymore so I just kind of got over it So then I wanted to do something else. And I really believe super strongly in the future of surf parks. And I like to start things and I like new stuff. I've been doing wakeboarding for so long. It was just kind of got boring with this is like so exciting. Like I really believe that there's going to be a hundred surf parks in the United States, you know, within the next 10 years. It's super hard to do. They're very complicated. You got to get water rights and land rights and entitlements, and there's so much BS along with it. But it really is the future, so that's why I'm super excited about it.
1: I'm looking forward to digging in on that. But before I go to surf parks, which is uh, you know why we're really here, but I have to ask about the ESPN days because that's just so cool as well. And so this, you know, you started doing this in the '90s, and you did it almost 10 years. You were doing announcing for ESPN, mostly wakeboard events, X Games, like. How did that come about with all this product focus and kind of like focus on building your own thing? How'd you get in with ESPN and what was that like?
0: Yeah, I don't remember how I started, but I mean, I think I was doing some live announcements at some wakeboarding event and then there was a TV guy there and he was like, hey, do you want to be on TV? We'll pay you 250 bucks. All right. And that's kind of how I think it started. I was a pretty good wakeboarder, but I wasn't like a pro. Wakeboarder. I mean, I'm a pretty good athlete, but I'm not like an exceptional athlete, you know? So I wanted to maybe be a pro wakeboarder, but I wasn't good enough. And also, I had my own company. And then it turned out I was better at selling and better at talking on TV. So that was a super, super fun time, like just cruising all around the country and the world. I did events in Australia. I did events in Europe. I did the gravity games in Australia. And wakeboarding on TV at that point was pretty popular. And we got good ratings and everything. We were part of this show that was super, super funny called uh, Hot Summer Nights. And like PT, you remember Peter Townen was one of the announcers. on. It was freaking hilarious, man. It was super funny. <laughs> and uh, we got good ratings. We were like Tuesday nights, I think, in the summer for a couple, two or three years in a row. So I did other things too. I did surf events, snowboard events, and I really liked it. And it kept me like really close to the sport, and really close to the athletes. And I got to spend a lot of time on the water too.
1: So I'm sure that led to some deep intros that you could never have found otherwise. So It sounds like that was kind of your where you started thinking a bit outside of wakeboarding and getting in, exposure to other sports and meeting new types of players. And do you have any stories or, or relationships that kind of came out of that time that you think have kind of led you to where you're at today?
0: One of the ones I would say is PT, Peter Townen, and he was a world surfing champion, I think, from 1976 or something like that. He's a freaking totally great guy. You should do a podcast on him. He's a total crack up. One of the things that I find super interesting is like when you're doing new stuff, a lot of people diss you, right? They're just like, oh, that's so stupid. You know, I used to be good friends with Jake Burton as well. And when Jake would do stuff, And the beginning, all the establishment were like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. But PT was never like that. PT was just like, holy crap, dude, that's freaking cool, you know, in an Australian accent. And so him was one of the guys I I remember, you know, and I met a lot of nice uh, different folks from ESPN that were very supportive. And the first X Games was super funny. I remember it was in like uh, Rhode Island or somewhere somewhere. The cool thing was we got to go to uh, announcer school. So that was kind of fun. Went to announcer school, met Bob Costas. And so I became a better announcer because it was live. The ESPN stuff was live. The other stuff we were doing was taped because the ESPN thing was live. They wanted to send us to announcer school. And I remember the first time I was live, my producer, his name was Jamie. forgot his last name, but he became a really famous producer. And he's like, okay, come on, Tony. We're going live in three, two, one. Sell it, brother. And I'm like, hey, this is Tony finn live at the X Game. What's going on, everybody? Woo! And everyone was just like, oh my God, what is going on? But yeah, it was super fun.
1: What a journey. And uh that's so exciting and uh a hell of a lot of energy to bring to the uh we needed surf parks because it's like you said, it's brand new. And um also really quickly before we get into like okay, how'd you get into, how'd you meet the team at, you know, American Wave Machines? How'd you get in with BSR? You know, some of the existing players in the space. And most importantly, unit pools is your key thing that we're working on here. And I'd love to hear, have you described the unit pool and what's unique about the technology that's excited you about it. But like, in terms of setting up that, the X Games times, like you've seen what makes an exciting, competitive action sports media event and so i'm curious to just start in terms of the watching of surfing and surf parks on tv and like how does that influence what drove you into surf parks
0: if you want to have a really great television show or even a youtube video or whatever it's if you can i mean like stab has proved it right like if you can do it at a surf park with that level of high-quality waves. And Kelly's obviously did excellent job too. But it's bitching to be able to have it all set up like that so that people can watch on a more consistent basis and you don't have to wait for the swell and everything. I mean, nothing's going to replace surfing in the ocean. I definitely don't want to say that. I live on the ocean. I love the ocean. But for surf parks to be able to bring that experience all across the world where you don't have to be by the beach is just going to expand the, the whole thing
1: yeah consistency able to schedule it no more waiting period and like hoping there's waves and they did one pro contest one time where i am in new york here and uh it was like a two-month waiting window and we got great waves but there was like from a hurricane we had flooding and storms and stuff come after it so anyway yeah i'm stoked on the future of uh predictability around running these things but let's talk more about like jumping into your work with American Wave Machines or or BSR? like How did that come about? How did you meet those guys? And and what did it look like when you first got into this new
0: and and growing space? So one of the things is is when uh, Liquid Force, we really supported wakeboard cable parks. That was a big thing for us. I had been to Germany a couple times and Australia a couple times where cables were popular. And I noticed that there was an opportunity for liquid force to start making cable specific boards. And so we were the first one to come out with boards that were just for cables. We put like really good P-TEX grind base on the bottom of our boards so that you can slide them and hit rails and all kinds of stuff. So I was always hanging out with a lot of cable park owners and Stuart Parsons had this cable park in Waco, Texas, which was one of the best ones in the world in terms of like he designed the lake really right. And it made it, it, was a really cool cable park. Plus, Stewart is fun to party with and hang out with, so I was hanging out with him a lot. And he was a good customer, and he had got like number seven in the Travel Channel for best water parks in the world. And me and him were just hanging out. I think we we're fishing and drinking beers, whatever. He goes, "Hey, man, I just got ranked number seven in a uh, Travel Channel for best water parks." And so I, we watch it on TV. And then I go, "How would you like to be the number one water park?" And he goes, "Yeah, I would, I would." I'm like, "Well, let's put a wave in here." He's like. All right, man, let's do it. And that was basically it. I swear to God, it was that simple. I was consulting at the time for American Wave Machines. And then Stuart flew out and we had a couple meetings and we made a deal and he decided to put the surf park in Waco. And 99% of the people thought he was totally nuts. And people thought I was nuts. No one's going to go to Waco and surf. And I'd be like, no, Waco's cool. All my friends are like, Waco? Why are you going to Waco? Are you an idiot? And I'm like, no, it's cool. And then eventually, now when I go to Waco, everyone's like, fuck, you went to Waco? Why don't you take me? Can I come with you to Waco next time? Waco rules. What the hell? How come you didn't call me, dude? I want to go to Waco. So the totally thing totally switched, right? That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. And everybody who goes to, has been to BSR knows it's a great, great park. It's a fantastic vibe. And the waves are super fun. And you can do all kinds of stuff on them. I mean, it's insane some of the best
1: airs and progression of aerial maneuvers and surfing are coming out of that
0: park. Yeah. Did you just see that kid Jacob just did like some sick finger flip that Superman finger is incredible.
1: Yeah. So like extending the board out in front of him and then a kick flip, landing it and riding out of it on a surfboard on a wave. And like, Holy hell, I I'm a mid thirties surfer. I have, I still am working on just landing any air.
0: Me too. I can't get airs. It's pretty embarrassing. It's, I don't know. I know where to go now. I know. I mean, I love surfing. I just, it's hard for me to get air. I could still get good air on my wakeboard though. I had to get a kite for me.
1: (laughs) Are you still working with the BSR
0: guys? How's that look? Yeah, I'm still doing a lot with uh, Stuart at BSR. There's a lot of incredible stuff happening there and it's a really, really fun time there. I mean, it's been just packed all summer.
1: You're working, in addition to American Wave Machines, Are you're working with a couple of other wave tech companies as well, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't do anything with American Wave Machines anymore, but my main, main focus right now is unit. I'm the official distributor of unit waves in North America. And so my friend who I met from wakeboarding, his name is uh, Hannes, he invented this unit wave, which is super duper fun. It's a standing wave. And it allows a water park owner to get into the surf business for under $2 million. And you have a really super fun wave that anybody can ride. And it's just a great, great product. And the other great, so many great things about it, but one of them is that you don't have any construction costs. You just, if you have an existing lake or pond or body of water, you just pop the unit into the existing body of water, plug it in, turn it on. And you have waves. Wow.
1: What does this thing look like for people that I'm sure everyone will Google it after this, but like, what does it look like physically, you know, size wise, how big is it? How would you describe it?
0: Yeah. So it, I mean, we have, you know, different widths, but let's just say it's like, say 20 meters by 50 meters. And it looks like a wakeboard rail. It's like white that, you know, high density polyethylene material that is, you know, super duper durable that's on the outside and on the inside is just water pumps so basically what happens is the secret to success the secret sauce in the unit wave is the hydraulic jump that we create so what happens is hydraulically we lift up the plastic the unit itself and then we pump the waves out and it goes down a slope and then it creates a wave and the hydraulic jump gives it a lot of power these waves have a lot of juice i mean they could be from one foot to six foot. Wow. Yeah. And I surfed, there's two in existence right now and I surfed them both. There's one in um, Langenfeld is where the first one is and that one's really fun. And then the other one is in Milan and I went to that one too. So once I surfed them both and I've known these guys for over a decade and they asked me if I would be their distributor for North America and um, I said yes. So I'm like super fired up. I feel like we, every single water park should have one. I mean it just brings surfing to communities all over the place and the other thing is if you are a water park owner these are really profitable like you provide a great experience for your consumer and also you can make money.
1: You talked about how it's a great first wave. You you mentioned the easy kind of install, lower construction costs and it kind of makes sense, you know, if you have an existing pool, you're not sure if you're going to be able to attract a surfing community, it sounds like this is a good way to kind of start And, uh, you know, put one of these in, prove out the value as you continue to look at the bigger, more expensive, like larger footprint type of pools as well. Do I have that right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's both. To really do a pool right, if you're going to do a big, you know, full-size wave like BSR or like all the other ones that are under construction or hoping to be under construction. I mean, it's a $20 million investment by the time you build the pro shop and all that stuff. And it's a great business, and you can do it. I, I'm encouraging everyone to do it. Just pick the right technology and right partners, and go for it. But if you don't want to go that big right away, or if you have an existing, you know, water park or own a cable or whatever, and you just want to get into surfing, and because it is the funnest water sport there is, then this is a you know the unit's a really clear, super easy choice. That's incredible. One other thing I want to mention, though, too, if you have a full-size wave, right, one thing that's going to happen, as long as you have the right technology and are nice to your customers, it's going to be packed. And so in order to kind of alleviate some of that congestion on your your wave, which is probably going to be mostly, you know, experts, you can teach people how to surf on the the unit wave. And it's just – it feels like wake surfing. It really feels like wake surfing. So it's super easy. So it's a good place for beginners. But also the unit wave is super fun for pros too, because you go back and forth. I hope people can look at some of the videos, but yeah, you go back and forth and you could do all kinds of crazy tricks on, on it too. It's really, really fun for all levels, but it really helps out beginners a lot.
1: And you, you'd mentioned that as well, like sitting this next to even some of the existing wave parks, putting one of these in the, not in the parking lot exactly, but just, we've heard that from other guests. Like when you go to the Kelly pool, it's four minutes per wave. And so a lot of people go and it takes even a couple of days to just get a few waves of their own. So like having a little bit of a way to just have something else there where people can be riding and not just waiting. In addition to those extremely long, beautiful, like perfectly barreling waves, it sounds like there's a bit of a, you know, you kind of want a portfolio for your guests, you know, a couple different ways for a couple different personas.
0: So Kelly's wave obviously is insane, right? So that's just, imagine that that's like Aspen. And then, but at the bottom of the hill in Aspen, you might want to have a half pipe or, or or a snowboard park. And that's where the unit wave comes in. That's a good analogy because even if you have a beautiful mountain, you still want, want to have a park. That's how I'm thinking of it. And I know everyone eventually is going to get it and want it and do it. And so it's just kind of getting, you know, getting the ball rolling right now.
1: Yeah, totally. And that's awesome. And thank you for sharing that. And looking forward, like, next five, 10 years of surf park development and also your own personal, you know, career. Like what what's coming next? Like what's got you most fired up? What does the next couple of years look like for unit, for you? Like what's going on that you got you
0: fired up? Oh, well, I mean, one thing is I'm get I'm doing a lot of consulting for different people that are building parks and I know, you know, a lot about it. So that's really fun. And I love like creating new things. And then the other thing is unit I know is going to be huge and we're just going to bring, it's just sort of like, you know, how I felt super excited when I first started like scurfer and liquid force and announcing for ESPN, where I just have this real big excitement about, Hey, you know, what's going to happen. Right. And I, 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 don't know. I have something about my crazy personality with ADD and I can see the future. Right. So I know like when i started uh from looking for us you know i knew at some point i was going to be able to sell a hundred thousand wakeboards a year i don't know when it was going to be but i just kept on promoting and promoting and eventually we sold that many and the same thing here with unit like i know it's going to be a great product and i could just see people from everywhere in the world are going to learn how to serve which i think is going to be great
1: that's incredible and I think you made the analogy of the uh, Munich wave, that river wave there. Do you think that's a good comparison for people to kind of take a look at? Or is there like another wave or experience you think could be a better uh, analogy?
0: The Munich wave, the Eisbach is cool because the guy who founded UNIT used to surf there when he was growing up. Oh, no kidding. And so that was his inspiration. And I always think it's cool to be able to take your inspiration from nature. And that wave is really cool. And I've been there before and it's kind of developed like a mini surf scene in Munich.
1: Right in their Central Park, there, like right in the middle. I, I went there once and that was my first exposure. Like paid some guy 10 euro and like grabbed his board and just like <laughs> went for it. And, uh, but it's right in the middle of the city and it's natural. It's so crazy.
0: I know. It's cool. Right. And, and so I think those natural ones are really, really great. I mean, why Maya falls when it rains, like that's a super sick one. I think J.O.B. even put it in a, in one of his videos once.
1: Yeah, Jamie O'Brien. Yeah, I've seen those where he's surfing, like, and you could see it's draining out into the ocean, but it creates that standing wave and it gets big.
0: Yeah, that one's gnarly. Yeah, yeah. it gets big. And and so, and that's the, that's the thing. That's what's so cool. It's like, they're real waves, but they're just standing waves, you know?
1: That's exciting. So you're going to be doing more consulting stuff, helping people because it's, it's still an early industry. And like, it sounds like a lot of these projects, there's so much complexity that goes into it. Maybe we can talk a little bit about some of those higher level kind of playbooks, like when you're coming in and helping some of these early projects, like, what's the kind of stuff that you're helping them to think about that they maybe aren't thinking about in the right way? Or, or where do you come in and kind of really start to uh, sink your teeth in? And what, what kind of stage of project?
0: Well, Chris, you know, if I give out this information, this is like $100,000 information. <laughs> I'm going to save your, your listeners like millions of dollars right now.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: But just give them my phone number. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what it is, is first, you got to have water. Got to make sure you have water. You got to make sure you have land. You got to make sure you have money. You got to make sure you have entitlements. And you got to make sure you have balls you got to have a freaking a lot of courage because it is gnarly it is so freaking hard to do and that's the thing like about stewart he's a crazy cowboy but he went for it think about all the happiness that's been created from bsr i mean every single time i go there people are learning how to surf getting barreled doing crazy air tricks i mean My son, he works there this summer as a surf instructor. He's been super stoked because the waves in San Diego totally sucked this year. But my son uh, has been getting like great waves every day and teaching people how to surf in Texas. And there's some of the instructors there. This one dude, Otis, he gets about 15 to 20 barrels a day on a wave storm. I bet you, Chris, you should do some research. I bet you he's. we should sign him up for Guinness Book of World Records so he got the most barrels out of anyone ever because he gets so many shacks like every day. Wow. So it's like, you know, there's so much happiness being created there. And that's just like a really great feeling, you know?
1: Totally. On the comment on the courage side, <laughs> why is it so hard? Is it because it's, it's probably a combination. Like it's a new industry. There's a lot of regulation, but like, From your perspective, like what makes it so hard to get one of these things built from your perspective?
0: It's just so new, right? So like there's 15,000 golf courses in the United States. I think the country would be fine if we say had 10,000 golf courses, you know, I don't think we need 15,000, but like, I would just imagine when the first one started to get built, you know, people didn't know what they were doing. I mean, there's so many variables. It's just a weird animal, right? And it's like hard to, I mean... I know a lot more details, of course, but it's basically just like you got to pick the technology. People are afraid to pick the technology because they don't know they they might not surf. They don't understand that. Then it's expensive. I mean, then when you get it open, you have to market it correctly. You got to worry about safety, all this other stuff. There's, there's just a lot of issues, and there's no formula yet, right? There's no checklist that. Okay, this is worked for 50 people so I could do the same thing. So you have to be a pioneer. You have to be Lewis and Clark. You have to be able to go out there and forge your own path. Yeah, just dive in head first and
1: from the since you spent so much time thinking about marketing too and successfully like scaling and selling to consumers, I'm really curious cuz we're so early in this industry, not a lot of people are talking about the consumer experience and you know, you more than others kind of really lean in on that and I think your liquid first time and of course your ESPN time, like you get what people, what fires them up, what they want to buy. So what are some of the best practices or principles that you think parks you've seen or or just in general, how do you get people, especially non new surfers fired up about learning to surf, coming to these parks, checking it out? Like what, what works, what doesn't work? And how do you think about
0: that in general? I think it's that, if you ask kids or young adults or anybody like what one of their aspirations to be do is a lot of them say surfing because it is the best water sport it's just you know there's so much to it it's just a it's a fantastic sport it's a to me it's a king of all board sports. I like to skateboard and wakeboard and wake surf and snowboard too so I think the aspiration is already there but from a consumer experience standpoint I mean. The main thing is, like, just be nice to people, right? Like, respect them and show them how much fun they could have and learn how to surf. Like, at BSR, I mean, there's a lot of people that come every single weekend. You know, they'll, they will drive from Dallas or from Austin every single weekend, bring their families, and surf. It's just like going down to Cardiff or, you know, and camping out at Cardiff or Pipes or any of these beaches near me, Santa, whatever. When I'm there, it's super funny because sometimes I look out onto the beach and I'm like, am I in Cardiff right now or am I at BSR? Because I get like the exact same feeling. It's a trip.
1: That's incredible. So, yeah, it's taking what everyone who lives on the coast kind of has already known for quite a while and bringing that to other places and unique places. That's
0: awesome. That's exactly right. You're basically taking the culture from the coast, the beauty of surfing and bringing it to any lake in the world. Or if you don't have a lake, you can make a lake that's exciting and then you could create beachfront property oceanfront property in Waco that's awesome. I
1: also wanted to ask about uh, events.com and uh, you know I see you, you got the shirt on as well right now what what are you doing with events.com? How does that fit into the mix?
0: same thing so I'm doing consulting for events.com I mean so right now there's not very many events, so I'm really good friends with the founders of events.com and it's a great platform for events like so like we do beer festivals, wine festivals, music festivals and I just had a lot of fun working there. I invested in the company and I love events.com It's a great great brand and we just do events all over the place. We do from sales marketing sponsorship we help event organizers put on super cool events and that's that's what I was doing I still do that right now I'm doing mostly virtual events because there are no events. But like I just did this super cool event, me and Bill Walton, who's a super great guy, he's a famous basketball player. Me and him have been friends for a long time. And when COVID started, he was in Vegas because he was getting ready for the Pac-12 NCAA championships. And I was in San Diego, and we just happened to talk on the phone. And he was like, this sucks, man. And I was like, yeah, this totally sucks. And then we go, well, we're men of action. We got to do something. We can't just like do nothing. So we decided to do start this uh, nonprofit called Bike for Humanity. And basically what it is, is you just ride your bikes wherever you are in the world. You're you know socially distanced, but you're spiritually together with us. And you could ride for free. You just ride your bike and if you want, you just register and ride for free. Or if you want to donate, you could donate. And then we give money to like free bikes for kids. So we're got enough money this last time when we're going to give a thousand free bikes to kids that can't afford bikes. So all kinds of stuff like that. It's really cool.
1: Wow. That's an awesome story there. And that's so cool. And what an impact already, like get some fresh air, get out of the house. Like, I think that's a really important thing. There's about a thousand happy kids and probably 20,000
0: happy parents uh, (laughs) as a result of that as well. Exactly. Exactly. So Chris, next time you got to make sure we're going to do another bike free manor ride in October. And I expect for you to sign up. One of the uh, John Love from Surf Park Central's participated in the last one.
1: Cool, yeah, I'm in. Does uh, does the Peloton count, or do
0: I have to get on there? Oh, yeah, you can Peloton. You can Peloton. But I'd rather have you be outside. But Peloton is cool too.
1: Perfect. Yeah, that sounds good. in, in either case, and uh, thanks so much for doing this, Tony. Really appreciate it. And this is always so fun to catch up and hear more of your your story. And brings a positive vibes to the industry here and just kind of help raise all ships like the high tide raises all ships. It really feels like that's what motivates you and just kind of making fun experiences, keeping people happy. Anything else you want to talk about or share with the audience? Anything else you want to mention to them? Or what's the best way for them to learn more about uh,
0: about unit? Should I have my own podcast? A couple of people told me I should be my own podcaster. I don't know. Maybe you and I could like do our own. Let's do it. Chris and Tony podcast.
1: <laughs> you should. Pretty pretty high energy. And uh, I think a lot of people appreciate that, man. There are too many people who are just kind of like monotone. I think you'd, there's something here. And all you need is this website we're using right now. It's pretty simple.
0: <laughs> all right. Maybe I'll do it. But yeah, if you want to learn more about UNIT, just email me at my uh, Gmail address, which is fintony at gmail.com, F-I-N-N-T-O-N-Y at gmail.com, or just go on the UNIT Surf Pool website, and it's easy to find. You can Google it. Oh, these dudes from Italy just recently made uh, this super great video about them surfing in Milan.
1: UNIT Surf Pool V2 Surf Milano.
0: Yeah, I think that's it.
1: We'll pull the link and make sure we include it in the show notes and make sure everybody sees that and uh, gets a chance to check it out,
0: yeah, it just shows like these really cool people surfing the unit wave in Milan, and it really gives you an understanding of what that you can do on a unit wave. And it shows like how fun it is, how easy it is, and yeah, it's just and all the tricks you can do. it's it's really it's a really cool video. It's only like two minutes. Make sure you watch it. To the end, because at the end is a really cool part.
1: Cool. It looks awesome. I mean, just the visuals for it, you can really kind of see like the step down and like how it kind of creates the wave function. And it's really, really interesting looking design. And uh, the fact that you just kind of drop it in it looks like it's right in an existing lake, like you were saying. It's uh, really exciting. And there's like 15, 20 people hanging out on the thing, like watching the guy ride as well.
0: It's not like a single person sport here. No, exactly. Like I, I should have mentioned that before. The fun thing about it is you can have a lot of people watching and you can spray everyone on the side. And in the future, we're going to have food and beverage, you know, all around it. So basically you'd be like, say 10 yards from people surfing all day long. And then when it's your turn, you can get in the water too and surf yourself. So it really provides a lot of action and super fun surfing for a lot of people. That's incredible.
1: Well, Tony, thanks again, man. And we'll do this again soon. And let's get yours going, your show going. I bet you get a lot of people following you pretty quickly.
0: All right, maybe I will. All right. Hey, great talking to you. Super fun. I don't even know how to turn my computer off. So maybe I'll just be keep going here. (laughs) We're good to go. All right. Thanks again, Tony. Great talking to you.
1: This show is powered by surfparkcentral.com, which is the leading platform for connecting surf park operators and developers with wave technology companies, suppliers, and investors. If you're a consumer, an enthusiast looking to break into the surf park industry, you can check out surfparkcentral.com slash To learn more about our exclusive program for events, conferences, and exclusive content to help you learn about the growing industry and the key players, check it out, surfparkcentral.com. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Chris Klusner again, just with a few last-minute thoughts Please do check out our website, Beyond Ocean Podcast.com, to subscribe to our newsletter and get exclusive updates from your local surf parks and out of ocean surfing experiences near you. You can also learn more about our sponsors and the incredible guests we host on the show. You can also access show notes and links. Anything that's covered in the podcast will be featured on the website again it's beyondoceanpodcast.com check it out